All right. Hey, welcome to River Glen, everybody. Everybody doing all right? Oh, good. Good, good. Uh, uh, great to have you here. Hey, uh, question for you. You ever, you ever heard a story or maybe read a story and uh, you thought to yourself, you know, that, that's really, you know, an interesting story. I don't know if it's true or not, but uh, that, that's really fascinating. In fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell a bunch of people, you know, that story, even though I don't know it's true because it is just so... Uh, amazing. Yeah, I'll give you an example. Maybe, maybe you've run across this story on the internet or on Facebook or something about this woman who uh, discovered that her husband was cheating on her, and she felt so devastated about it that she went up to her apartment, which is several stories uh, up, and she decided to jump out the window. But she survived the accident because she landed on her husband, who was just walking by, <laughs> killed him, and she walked away uh, safe. And, uh, you know, I don't know if that's true, but that's just a great story, isn't it? Yeah. And, uh, you know, everybody's probably heard stories like that. You know, you probably know some stories like that. You've probably told some stories like that. And, you know, the truth is that there are a lot of crazy stories in the, in the Bible. And uh, maybe you've heard some of them before. Maybe you're here. Maybe you're not really much of a Bible person, and you hear those stories, and you're like, you know, see, you know, that's why I don't believe it. You know, that's crazy. It's interesting, but I don't... Uh, believe it. Or, you know, maybe you're a Bible person and you hear those stories and you believe everything in there and you say, you know, that's crazy, but I believe it, but I, I have no idea what that means for my life. I have no idea, you know, how that applies to my life uh, today. So this weekend, uh, we're starting this new series. I'm really excited about this called Stranger Than Fiction. And uh, for the next, uh, next several weeks, we are going to walk through some of the most interesting and crazy stories in the uh, Bible. And you know what? My guess is that you probably have not heard many of these, okay? Even if you grew up going to church because these stories, they don't come a lot, up a lot because they are just so bizarre and crazy and outrageous. Now, there's a few reasons why uh, I want to do this uh, series. Uh, one reason is because, you know, there's a lot of different ways to read the Bible that are helpful. One way you can read it is uh, verse by verse or chapter by chapter or book by book or Another way to read the Bible is story by story, and that's the approach we're going to take in this series. These stories come from uh, the book of the Bible called Judges. It's the sixth book in the Old Testament of the Bible, and you're going to see as we go through these that these stories are not just crazy and uh, interesting. They're also impactful for our lives. Here's another reason I want us to talk about these stories is because I think that many of us have a tendency uh, when we read the Bible to just kind of skip over the Old Testament. We go right into the New Testament there and we read about Jesus and we read about Paul, which is great. But we tend to skip over the Old Testament because we just think it's too, too difficult to understand, too crazy. But as you're going to see, these stories are so helpful for us and so fascinating. I want you to think, man, you know, I should have started reading the Bible a long time ago because this is fantastic. This is better than television. This is some really good stuff. But there's another reason I want to walk through these stories, and that is because if we don't learn from history, uh, we're what? We, we, we tend to repeat it, right? And there are some great lessons in these stories that can help us live better lives and uh, wiser lives, because these stories teach us so much about uh, God. And so over the next few weeks, I really hope that you'll be here uh, each weekend. Uh, but if you're not able to be here because of travel or vacation, download our River Glen app, and you can watch the messages 
online and uh, be part of this process because these stories really are fascinating and uh, they are stranger than fiction. Now, as we get started, I want to just mention a little disclaimer. Charity mentioned it uh, earlier. Uh, this story uh, today is, is pretty violent. It's, uh, it's very graphic and it's uh, pretty intense. And if you have uh, young kids, you may want to utilize our, our, our kid uh, life. Uh, otherwise, you may get some uh, difficult questions on the way home or uh, nightmares. And uh, so, you know, just an FYI, it's not too late. You can, you can check your kids in. We've got classes, fifth grade and uh, younger. All right, now I want to get, uh, the way I want to get started is I want to give you a little, little bit of background uh, Jewish history that's going to help make this, uh, help this story make sense in really the whole uh, series. And it begins with this guy. You've probably heard of him. Many of you have probably heard of him. Uh, a guy by the name of uh, Abraham. And then Abraham has a son named Isaac, and uh, Isaac has a son named Jacob, and uh, Jacob has 12 sons who end up in Egypt, and they just thrive, and they grow into this nation until the Egyptians put them in slavery, and this slavery lasts for 400 years, which is quite a long time. That's, that's, that's almost twice as long as America has been around, and they live that way for 400 years until God sends somebody uh, to lead them out of slavery, and uh, that's a guy by the name of uh, Moses. And so Moses leads them out of Egypt uh, on the journey toward the, the promised land. And Moses and all these leaders here are called uh, patriarchs. Yeah. And now I want to fast forward about 300 years to the time when the nation of Israel starts having kings. You know, they had King Saul, King David, King uh, Solomon, and this is called the period of kings. And then there's about a 300-year period between the patriarchs and the kings, and this is known as the period of Judges, which is where the book of Judges gets its name. And here's how it was supposed to work during the period of Judges. You know, God was their king, okay? And God gave them, you know, the law, and so all they would need would be judges. This is God's idea. And so these judges didn't have as much authority as a king because God is their king, and these judges managed the people who lived in 12 tribes named after the sons of Jacob. And so these judges managed the people, and sometimes they would deliver the people from their enemies. And they lived this way for about 300 years. And it sounds like it's going to work great, right? But actually, it didn't. And they encounter all kinds of problems during the period of Judges because the people abandoned God's uh, law because, like many of us, they didn't like having, having someone tell them uh, what to do. And uh, here's the cycle that they repeated over and over. They would disobey you know, God's law, and that would lead them into a disaster, and they would cry out, and God would send a deliverer. And then they'd go back, and they would just repeat this again. They would disobey, and that would lead to disaster. And they would cry out, and God would send a deliverer. And they would say, you know, we're never going to do that again. We're never going to do that again. Maybe that sounds familiar. Because here's something interesting about the book of Judges. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus, even if you're maybe from some other religious background, here's something that all of us have in, in common. At some point in your life, you disobeyed something. Okay? Maybe you disobeyed the religious beliefs that you grew up with. Maybe you disobeyed your parents. Maybe you disobeyed the law. Maybe you disobeyed your conscience. Your conscience said, don't do it. Don't do it. And, and you did it. And after a time, there was a mess that you got yourself into, a disaster because you disobeyed. And then you were like, I need some help. I need help. And somebody came along and gave you a break 
gave you a second chance. Somebody forgave you. Somebody bailed you out of jail. Somebody paid your fine. Somebody helped you get into rehab. And you said, thank you. I'll never do that again. I'll never go back. And that lasted about a week. And then we just repeat this cycle again. And the book of Judges is about 300 years when a nation of people just keeps repeating this cycle. They got in trouble and got delivered. They got in trouble again. They got delivered again. And I think we can relate because we know what it's like to get stuck in that sin cycle. Some of us maybe even feel stuck uh, right uh, now. And here's the good news. The story we're going to look at today, I think, helps us understand how to break free. Now, this story that we're going to look at, all right, it's really strange, okay? And uh, it's outrageous, and it takes, a, 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 it deserves a lot of explaining. In fact, I would say this is probably the most outrageous story in the Bible. And it happens because a, a nation of people decide, I don't want to live with any rules. I want to do what I want, when I want, with whomever I want. Now, we don't say it like that today. We say things like, you know, I'll, I'll do whatever feels good. You know, and, and I'm going to do what's right for me, and that may not be right for you, and what you do and, and think is right for you may not be right for me, and so just mind your own business, because I'm going to do what I want, when I want, with whomever I want. And this story we're going to read today is such a microcosm of that line of, of thinking. Our story takes place, it's at the end of the book of Judges, Judges. it's about uh, 1400 BC when Israel is divided into 12 tribes and they live in different parts of what we know today, what we call today the Holy Land. And it starts off with this guy who is a, a Levite, all right, and he's from the city of Ephraim. Remember there's 12 tribes, he's, he's, uh, he, we don't know his name, he's, he's from the tribe of, of Levi. And he gets himself a girlfriend. And throughout this story, his girlfriend is referred to as a, concub a concubine. Now, a concubine is kind of like a, a girlfriend or a slave or a servant or a secondary uh, wife. I don't, I don't really think God was pleased you know, by this practice of, of, of having a concubine. A concubine had lower status than a, than a normal uh, wife. But the Israelites, they did it anyway, probably because they learned it from the Canaanites who lived nearby. And so he gets himself a concubine, and she's from the tribe of Benjamin, specifically from the city of uh, Bethlehem. And she decides she doesn't like being a concubine anymore, and so she runs away. And she runs home. And the Levite misses her and decides to pursue her. And so he, the Levite goes to find his concubine in Bethlehem. But by the time he arrives, it's late. And she's back with her family, and and her dad isn't very excited about her going back. And her dad says to the Levite, why don't you stay for a while? And so the Levite stays for dinner. But then the dad keeps the Levite up really late. And he gives him glass after glass and shot after shot and gets him absolutely uh, plastered, intoxicated. The Levite sleeps until noon. And uh, he gets up and says, my concubine and I are leaving. But the father says, you know, it's so late. I mean, you don't want to begin a a big journey, you know, this late in the day. Why don't you stay until tomorrow? And uh, this goes on day after day. Night after night, the dad keeps the Levite up, you know, keeps him up late at night, gets him drinking, he sleeps in and decides to stay another day until finally the Levite wakes up one day and he says, listen, we have to leave now. And he takes his concubine and they get on their, their donkeys and they begin to head toward uh, Ephraim. 
but because they've left late in the day, the sun goes down, and they need to find a place to stay, and they pull into this little town called Gibeah, which is in the tribe of, uh, uh, of Benjamin, where the tribe of Benjamin lives. See, the way things worked back then, they didn't have hotels, there were no holiday inns, there were no restaurants, and so if you needed a place to stay, when you arrived in a town, you would go right to the town square, to the middle, to the well, and you would wait and hope that somebody would come and invite you to stay in their house. This was called the law of hospitality. But Gibeah is not a very friendly place. And, uh, you know, people just walk by. Nobody really pays attention uh, to him. And finally, when it gets really dark, this old man has mercy on them and comes up and says, and says uh, you can stay with me. And so they go into his house, and they're eating dinner in there, And this is where it gets really strange. Let's take a look at this. The book of Judges tells us that while they were enjoying themselves, a crowd of troublemakers from the town surrounded the house. They began beating at the door and shouting to the old man, bring out the man who is staying with you so we can have sex with him. Now, this isn't really an issue of gratification here. This is more about humiliation. What they wanted to do is they wanted to send a message, we don't like strangers here, and we're going to humiliate this man so that when he leaves here, he tells everybody, don't you dare go to Gibeah because they don't like strangers uh, there. All right, look at what happens next. The old man stepped outside to talk to them. No, my brothers, don't do such an evil thing, for this man is a guest in my house, and such a thing would be shameful. And the old man seems to be the only one who really has any sense about him uh, to to this point because he steps out and he says, don't do this. I mean, because this violates our religious beliefs. You know, this this, this violates this individual. Don't do this. It it, it violates the law of hospitality. It violates our treaties with each other. And then it gets even stranger. The old man says, here, take my virgin daughter and this man's concubine. I'll bring them out to you and you can abuse them And do whatever you like. But don't do such a shameful thing to this man. But they wouldn't listen to him. And so the Levite took hold of his concubine and pushed her out the door. And this next part's really awful. The men of the town abused her all night, taking turns raping her until morning. And so what happens to her? I mean, it's horrific. I mean, this is terrible. This is awful. And then the next morning, the Levite gets up, opens the front door, and finds his concubine dead at the doorstep. And now he's enraged, he's angry, he's mad, he's scared, he's frustrated. He takes his dead concubine, puts her on the donkey, and he begins to ride home. And he thinks to himself, I'm so outraged. They violated my concubine. They killed her. They almost killed me. They violated the laws of hospitality. And he's so upset and outraged that he decides, I've got to do something about this. And so he decides to write a letter to the 12 tribes so that they know that this type of behavior has been going on. And he he sits down to write this letter, but he gets about halfway through it and he thinks, what's a letter going to do? I mean, nobody's going to pay attention to this. And so he comes up with an idea. 